Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Hi everyone, this is Tara with the Mom Manual. I am so excited today. I have Whitney and she is going to tell us a little bit about how to react when you have expectations that don't match what happens. Whitney, welcome to the podcast. Hi Tara, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Can you tell everyone a little bit about you, what you do? Um, Just a quick background. Yeah, I am a mommy blogger and influencer, um, and I have three kids, a five-year-old daughter and twin um, two-and-a-half-year-olds, a boy and a girl, and they are my life. I love to just do fun things with them, and also, you know, on my Instagram, I talk a lot about, like, real life <laughs> and how it's messy and fun and beautiful and hard and all of those things combined Um, and that's just kind of, that's what we talk about over there. And that's, it's so much fun for me. I love it. I love that. Okay. And today can you tell us a little bit about what you're going to be educating our audience on? Yeah, I, um, am going to be talking about expectations that you might have for your kids, um, and even your spouse or your neighbors or your friends, um, that become unmet and how to handle that, um, you know, handle them not being met and handle the possible loss you might feel when they aren't. Um, And it's a topic that I hold really close to my heart. Yeah. Can you give us um, a little more context on, so it's, it's pertaining to your son, Ezra, and I know we're not going to go all the way into what is going on with him, but can you give listeners um, as much as you can? So they have a framework of like where we're talking about these tips from. Yeah. Um, so my son is two and a half and back in April, uh, when he turned two, we were told he has some learning disabilities and a possible diagnosis. Um, that is, you know, in my mind, a very difficult one, um, to hear. And I, um, when I heard this diagnosis and the the struggles he has and will possibly have for the rest of his life, it was devastating for me. I felt a large amount of loss um, when I heard that. And I, um, it took me a while to realize why it was so hard for me. Um, You know, because speaking just very candidly, it's, it's not terminal. Um, There are so many more difficult things he could be facing in his life. And I realized that, and I, I honestly feel very blessed, but it was still hard to hear. Like no matter how I looked at it, no matter what I saw, um, after hearing the difficulties, it was just hard. And I fell into a pretty deep hole, um, for a couple of months afterwards. And I didn't know what to do. And I felt like I was just stuck. Like my feet were like just in concrete and I couldn't move. And I didn't know the next step to take. And I did a lot of praying and listening to podcasts and uh, reading books about how to kind of move forward and what I need to do. Um, And the biggest thing that, you know, kind of hit home for me and it really clicked one day was that I was having expectations for my son 
that weren't being met. And basically the first mistake I made was having the expectations to begin with. And I didn't even, I had never realized that before when I found out that we were having a boy and a girl, his life pretty much flashed before my eyes. Right. I was like, Oh, he's going to play these sports. Like his dad, he's going to do this in school. He's going to, he's going to like this. He's going to be this way. And then when we found all of this out in April, it was like, well, that's not going to happen anymore. Yeah. And I was feeling so much. That's so normal as a parent. And I mean, I have an example. It's compared to what you're dealing with. So silly and trivial, but I played soccer in college and I have two girls and two boys and I just loved it growing up. It defined my childhood. Like it, I felt like gave me confidence and made me who I am. All my friends were, you know, played soccer and it was just like a good group of kids. And I imagined that for my daughters. And I thought, um, you know, I'm going to help prepare them to play in college. And like, I would live vicariously through them. So that was my dream for them. And one of my daughters does play competitive soccer and she's really good. And, um, she's at the top level since she was in kindergarten, which sounds crazy now, but my second daughter, although I think she's even better at soccer than my first daughter decided she wants to do dance. And so we were pushing her for soccer, but really letting her kind of choose. And now she's all in a dance and she's a great dancer and she's so passionate about it. And she'll come up to me and say, mom, look at my, my, my splits I'm working on or, and she's like dancing to the house all the time. And every fiber in me, every time she shows me, I want to be like, I'm not interested. Like, and I'm just so disappointed that she doesn't want to play soccer, especially because she's so naturally gifted at it. And I know I like, I can see myself just, I mean, again, this is, it's so silly. It's a sport. It's, it's not, it's just like, but I think as parents, like we just have this idea and everything we look at is through the lens of our own eyes. Like this was how our childhood was. This is how we want their childhood to be. So when that changes or is morphed in something as small as a sport choice or as big as a learning disability or a diagnosis that we know um, our child's not going to have a quote unquote normal life, right? Mm-hmm. Then it, it just, I can totally understand. And I'm sure everyone listening is like putting themselves in your shoes mm-hmm. in one way or another. Um, but I, another thing to note, so your son Ezra has a twin, right? So as they're both developing, was it mm-hmm. so clear that you're seeing this kind of what, again, I'm using air quotes, normal, because what is normal, but a traditional <laughs> developmental path versus his developmental path. Like, was it very clear early on or was it more something that like all of a sudden you were like, whoa, something's off here at age two? Yeah, it's, that's such a good question. We, um, he actually was developing quicker than her physically, which is very normal boys and girls, right? Um, he was ahead of the game. He walked faster than she did, crawled faster than she did, went up and down the stairs faster than she did. Um, and, and he was saying mama, dada, like the, the, by age one, he was right on track with all the milestones. And then I would say around 18 months was when we were like, okay, like he's not, there's no more words that he probably has maybe five or six. And she was up like at 30, right? Like, just like, so we were like, okay, this is getting bigger. And then at the two year appointment was when it was like, okay, she's, she's got like 50 words and he has maybe 10, you know? 
And that's when his doctor suggested we get him in some testing. Um, and that happened shortly after his appointment. And then it was just, so it, so to answer your question better, like it definitely was more of like a kind of a hit you in the face. Like we didn't really even, even when I was at his two-year appointment, like I brought it up and I thought his doctor was going to be like, Oh, it's no big deal. Like they just developed differently. She's a, you know, she's a girl, he's a boy. Um, but that's kind of what it hit me in the face. It's like, Oh my goodness, this is an actual problem. Like, it's not just boys and girls. Like people say that so much, especially with twins. It's like, Oh, well, she's so different. She's a girl and he's a boy. And, you know, so I tried really hard not to compare them. And then when I was forced to compare them was like, okay. (laughs) So it definitely hit us in the face pretty hard. Um, when he was two. Yeah. So Um, the first takeaway you had is setting expectations for how you want your kids' lives to turn out is a recipe for heartache. Yeah. (laughs) Can you go into that a little bit more? Yeah. Um, you know, kids are, they come to this earth and I believe this fully. They come to this earth exactly who they are and exactly who they're supposed to be and who they were always supposed to be, you know, and that doesn't mean that you don't nurture them and help them grow, you know, but if you have a child who's very strong-willed, they're never not going to be strong-willed, you know, they can focus that energy in a positive direction or a negative direction. You can help them as a parent, you can help them do that. Um, but having these expectations for your kid to be a soccer player, right. When their heart just isn't in it. That's just not who they, they, they want to be. Or you have expectations for your son to, you know, play a certain sport. It's like, it, but he might not ever be able to do that. Right. Like it's only going to hurt you. And so I think kind of changing the dynamic as a parent to like, Oh, this is what I want them to do. This is what I want them to be changing it from that to this is I'm going to help them be exactly who they want to be. And I'm going to help them be the best version of that person is going to make it. So if they decide to be a chess player and you wanted them to play football, it's okay. You're not going to be heartbroken because that want of them to play football was never there. Right. It's like, it's just, you don't have that expectation. You just want them to be exactly who they are and the best version of that, you know? So I just think heartache comes when you set those expectations without their go ahead. Right. Like, like I said, I had these expectations for my son before he even came to this earth. I knew the second I, my gender reveal, I remember it like it was yesterday. I had all of these feelings come flooding in all these things. I hoped he was going to do with his life. Um, and that was what created that heartbreak for me in April. Yeah. So what, what would you say to, to that parent that is, you know, maybe pregnant now and they're thinking about this or like, how do you, cause it's so natural for us again, to want this cause it's what we experienced. Right. And we like live our kids' lives through the, the lens of our life. How, how, how can you say you could change that? Or like, you know, what advice would you have for that? Yeah. Um, oh man, that is such a good question. I would say the second you have this desire for them to do a certain thing or develop a certain skill, just stop yourself and just stop because it's natural. Like you said, it is 100% natural to have dreams for your kids. That is literally like, I think how we are programmed as parents, Yeah. but it is 
it's something that you, it's going to happen. You're going to have these dreams. You're going to have these wishes. You're going to have these thoughts of, oh, my daughter, when she's five, I'm going to take her to get her ears pierced and we're going to go get kisses and all these things, right? Stop. Just stop right there and be like, you know what? She might not want to do that. She might truthfully not want to get her ears pierced. And I can't expect that. And I can't be upset with her when that doesn't happen because that's not her fault. That's who she is. That's just simply how she came to this earth. You know, maybe she's more of a tomboy. Maybe she just is scared to get her ears pierced. Right. Um, just simply stop dead in your tracks and think of how maybe that might not happen and try to accept that before they're even born and, you know, not try to get them to live up to something they simply can't, can't do. No, I, I love that. And again, my, my situation is, is just so silly. It really like even saying it out loud, I'm like, Oh, how embarrassing that like a problem no, in your life is that my daughter wants to do dance instead of soccer. No. But I, I think it's really just that acceptance piece. And as our kids get older, um, they're going to make more choices that we don't agree with maybe, or yeah. we don't want for them, but yeah. it's all part of their plan and of, you know, who they're going to be. I, um, I said to Whitney before we started, I said, I looked at what you were talking about and it talked about, um, you know, dealing with getting let down when your kids don't turn out the way you expect them to be. And I told Whitney before this podcast, I thought you were going to be like 60 years old with <laughs> grown kids. So I, I was, um, surprised that we have young kids, but it makes more sense now with what we're talking about. Whitney, what, what is the second takeaway you have for our um, listeners today? Yeah, I kind of addressed this earlier a little bit, but um, like I said, your kids come to this earth exactly who they're going to be. If they're strong-willed, they're going to be strong-willed. If they're timid, they're going to be timid. Um, trying to change an apple to an orange is literally impossible. Um, and so trying to change your child to be um, to like certain things that they just simply don't like is only going to hurt you and hurt them as well. Yeah. Um, in the long run, emotionally, um, you know, they'll probably resent you or be upset or, you know, all sorts of things. And so just realizing, you know, and this might kind of go back to what I was talking about a minute ago and what you asked me with someone who's pregnant, just realizing that like whoever, you know, that the baby in your belly, they are already going to, you know, come to this earth with things they like and things they don't like and interests that they have and interests that they, they don't have. Um, and you really can't control that. Right. Um, and so just realizing you can only expect them to be exactly who they are. And that really goes along also with your husband and, or, you know, your spouse, your neighbor, your mom, you, you can only expect them to be who they are. So if you're trying to, you know, sit here and, you have, your husband has things, traits he does that just drive you crazy, right? It's, they're only going to be exactly who they are. That's probably something that they simply grew up doing, or it's just a part of who they are. And constantly trying to change people is just a recipe for heartache, recipe for disaster. You're going to be disappointed in a lot of people if you just expect them to be who you want them to be. Um, They're going to be who they are. Do you think that, um, you know, the more I'm thinking about this, that this actually has more to do with us and like our own insecurities? Um, Because I know you can't, you can't fully go into Ezra's possible diagnosis, but 
I think he's going to be just fine. Right. So <laughs> is it more that it's like our fear of what they could potentially face? Yeah. Um, do you think that, I mean, is that part of it? Absolutely. I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned that, you know, it's true. I, um, I think that when, not, I think I know that when all this stuff came out and he was behind with a speech and his, his possible diagnosis, it was, I put it a lot on myself and I blame myself a lot for it. Um, I'm not doing that anymore, but I did in the beginning. And I think that's part of why it was so hard. Um, is that these unmet expectations, I was putting them on myself. Like I should have worked with him more. You know, I'm a school teacher. Like that's what my background is in. Um, and his sister was going through a lot of health issues. She had um, a lump on her head. It, it was is kind of a, a little bit of a nightmare there for her right around um, a year. And so right around the time when they kind of started like 18 months when they started separating was when we were dealing with a lot of hospital visits, surgeries, all this stuff for my daughter. Um, and I did, he took a backseat. He took a big backseat to everything. I didn't work on things with him. Um, you know, so I, I did, I blamed myself a lot. And so I think that that was probably a big, huge problem and a big, huge, you know, thing that like, okay, what well, now that I talk about how he has a, a delay, like, what are people going to think about me as a mom? Right. Like what did, they're probably going to be like, wow, she didn't work with her child. And, and I knew I hadn't done what I, what has worked as hard with him as I should have, you know? Um, so yeah, some insecurities there for sure. That's a really good, like thing to note. Definitely. But I think that, I mean, the bigger thing too, is this, this potential diagnosis is not, is not due to, you know, reading or singing or right. Yes. It's, and that's finally what I realized. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Like it, it has yeah. nothing to do with, and the cra the craziest thing that I think is how resilient kids really are. I mean, if you look at some, some kids that have, you know, really kind of tough upbringings and neglect and different things, and then they turn out to be wonderful, smart, intelligent people. There's, there's yeah. so much of nurture versus nature, but I think that that's a great point is, you know, if, if we are facing something like um, speech delays or learning disabilities, we need to know that that is not our fault as a parent. Right. It's not that if we had just read one more book or had mm -hmm. been more verbal with them. I remember hearing these commercials on TV. Um, I live in California and they're on all the time and they say, read, read, sing and something else. And it talks about how the connections in the brain are made in the first three years and for kids who are talked to more than they essentially are smarter, if you will, based off this commercial, right? It's, it's like a public service announcement. Yeah. And I remember when my first daughter was, was really young, I, I never talked to her. I never just looked at her and said, oh, you're so cute. Or, oh, look at the sky. Or, oh, like, I didn't say anything to her. I didn't talk at all. And I think about that a lot. And I'm like, <laughs> only I had taught, and she's fine, but I don't think could she have been smarter if only I had talked more? I didn't no. see the commercials until she was a year old. And then <laughs> I never sang to her. So as parents, I think we're always going to carry guilt over one yeah. thing or another. I mean, and again, even going back to the sports, like I signed my daughter up, my second daughter up later. Like if I had signed her up earlier, you know, in kindergarten or when she was two, would she have like soccer then? If I had yeah. forced her to do it, if I didn't sign her up for dance, I mean, we have all these inflection moments of how our kids are going to turn out 
And then what we did and did we do something right or wrong? And we, first off, we can never know. Right. But, um, I think that's so much, that must've been such a relief when you were like, this is not my fault. I'm going to like take this burden off of me. Yeah. And if you, if you think about it from, so that's like the past perspective, but then the future perspective, do you, do you think for other moms who are listening and might be in your same spot that a lot of the future, like guilt or blame is, is also really just on you, on your expectations. And like, by lifting those expectations and saying, this is who he is. And we're going to do the best with what we have to give him the best life he can have. Like, does that, I mean, I know it's easier to say in words than believe, but, um, like where, so you've had the diagnosis for since April, that's about six months, right? So where, where would you say you are now from receiving, receiving that potential diagnosis and kind of understanding something isn't quite developing on a regular trajectory, um, six months later, like what did that kind of emotionally look like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I, um, um, kind of like I mentioned earlier, I fell into a pretty deep hole for a couple months of just self-pity, like sadness, a little bit of anger, um, just feeling like how, like, if I could take this from him, I would do anything to take this from him. I don't want him to have to face, face this trial in his life. Um, and so like, I kind of, I would probably say, honestly, I went through like the stages of grief. Um, and I know that sounds so ridiculous because it's not like my son died, you know, and thank goodness. And, but that's being the expectations and the life I thought he was going to have. Um, and so going through those stages of grief and then having a lot of conversations with my husband coming to this, you know, and like I said, books and podcasts coming to the realization that I had had these expectations. And then it took me probably two or three weeks to really believe that, to really believe that there's nothing, honestly, that I could have done, that he came to us exactly how he is and exactly how he's supposed to be. Um, and that this was the trial we were facing because we were supposed to be facing it and that we'll be okay and he'll be okay. Um, and then once I, I realized that it's now just been reminding myself every day that we got to take this one step at a time and we've got to put one foot in front of the other and keep pushing forward and helping him how we know how, because trying to reverse the diagnosis or trying to make it so it's just not something he's ever going to struggle with is, you know, false hope, honestly, like it it might happen, it might happen, but it might not. And this might be something we're working with him for the rest of his life. And if that's the case, then we are going to make it a beautiful and happy life. And we are going to do everything we can for this little boy. Um, and we are here on this earth with the ability to be able to do that. Um, I fully believe that I've got the skills and the knowledge to be able to do that. I just need to find it. And I just need to have the faith that it'll come. Yeah. And that, that really goes into your third takeaway. So take unmet expectations one step at a time, not focusing on the big picture, just focusing on each moment at hand and finding the smallest wins in that moment. Um, Whitney, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, again, a lot of this is like, oh yeah, yeah, that's obvious, but there's (laughs) such a big emotional burden around taking it one step at a time and for your family and your son, you know, what, what does that mean? Is that focusing on just the happy moments each day? Is that like looking forward to a next milestone? Like, what does that mean for you guys? Yeah. Um, it means for me, 
Um, and part of my healing process was honestly coming up with a plan. I had to have a plan. I needed to know what I was going to do to take that one step at a time. Um, and for us, it looks like I get 15 minutes a day with just him to do therapy. Um, my husband helps me with that. He comes and he takes the girls, takes them on a walk, takes them outside. My mother-in-law is amazing. She comes weekly to help me do that. And my mom does as well. Um, it's asking for help and, I had to ask for help, which I don't like to do, but I had to do that because I knew that if I gave him 15 minutes of it, that undivided attention with as a twin, you just don't get a lot of, right. Um, that that was something I could do that I could control. Um, cause I can't control the outcome, right. That's kind of this whole thing is I can't control the outcome, the expectations, like the only expectations I can have are for myself and what I can do. And what I can do is spend 15 minutes of undivided attention of therapy with him every day and take the little wins. Um, if he says and learns a new word, I'm going to hold on to that. And I'm going to think about it all day. And I'm going to think about it all night. And I'm going to dream about it. And I'm going to thank Heavenly Father that it happened. Even if it was one word, if it, it, one word is one word, right? That's a win. That's something he wasn't doing six months ago. And I'm going to revel in that right? Like if you, you know, kind of like how you can, what I was doing, honestly, when I first found out his diagnosis, I was reveling in the negative and I was reveling in the thinking about it and just festering with it and sitting with the negative so much, um, that it kind of took me over. And now I'm just vowing to sit with the positive and any win that happens that day, I'm thinking about it all day long. Um, and there's, there's been, hard parts too. There's been some setbacks since he was diagnosed. It hasn't all been up at all, but it's just, just focusing on the good instead of the bad. Yeah. I gosh, there's so many things you said that I want to break down and love. So I think having a plan is amazing. Um, in my family, I always tell my kids, we, I like, I think if I'm, when my kids are going to be older and someone's gonna say, what was your family motto? It'll be this. So I always shout out, how do we eat an elephant? And they all yell back one bite at a time. And I love it. when we look at this situation, it feels like an elephant, right? But if yeah. you can break it down into bite-sized pieces, like having 15 minutes a day, maybe you're making a medical plan. You have a family plan. You have in-laws, you have the help, like you have a very digestible plan. And then you can take that plan and every day you can execute that plan. And if you can win that daily plan and then celebrate those wins, like yeah. that, that's your plan. And that yeah. you know, now you have this kind of these benchmarks to follow. I love, I love that so much. And just not focusing on the big picture, like you said, because it's really daunting. I mean, I think about it in even the sense of my business, like we have this huge goal and it's like, okay, how are we going to get there? And if we always just thought about our final goal, it would just be totally paralyzing. Right. But if we can look at, okay, we need to, you know, do this and then spend advertising money here or, you know, go to this event, like, and then it, all of a sudden it becomes very manageable. And it's like, if we do all these things, we'll get there. Um, yeah. but I love just taking the focus on that. Cause I think like this whole conversation to me really sounds like, you know, when you were, when he was born his first year, even up to his potential diagnosis, you really had this almost a bigger picture because it was like his life picture. Right. And then that picture was changed. And it was like, so how do we readjust our expectations to this, to this new picture um, and keeping positive and the, celebrating the small wins. I, that's all like amazing. Winnie, you mentioned earlier, um, heavenly father. So 
Can yeah. you, you, are you using faith in this part of this plan as well? Is that a, an element for your family? Absolutely. Um, I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and faith is a huge part of our religion. Um, and it has been a huge part of my healing process. And in the beginning, it was like, you know, my husband would say, you need to have faith. You need to have faith. And eventually I was just like, honey, <laughs> like, I can't have faith that everything is going to work out and everything's going to be normal. Right. And he said, that's not what you need to have faith for. You need to have faith that we will be able to help him how we know how, and that everything will work out the way it's supposed to. There's a difference there because normal, the way, you know, I'm doing quotes, normal was my expectations for him, that he would have a normal life, that he wouldn't have to deal with any of this. And it's like, well, guess what? He is this is how he came. He is dealing with this. So you can either sit there and just hope that he's going to be normal, or you could have faith that he is going to be and live a beautiful life. Exactly how he is. It might not be normal. Um, it might be a lot different than any other kid, right? Especially any other kid in, in our family, but having the faith that we will make his life and help make his life a, a happy and beautiful one is where I've been focusing my faith and my prayers. Yeah. And I believe it'll happen. I love that. And I, um, I think if you talk to any parent that has overcome a great adversity with their child, if that be um, cancer, if that be a special needs, I mean, really when we're, we're talking big things, right? I yeah. think most of them will reflect and say, this has been the greatest blessing of our life. Yeah, right? absolutely. It changed our family and that they're honored that, you know, heavenly father chose them to have this child on earth and to make that yeah. impact and difference. So, oh gosh, I'm getting emotional now. <laughs> but, okay. We're going to make it more positive now. This was <laughs> Whitney, such an amazing conversation. Let's jump into our fire round um, of some fun, quick questions. So what are you currently binging on TV? Oh my goodness. I have been loving Friday night lights on Netflix. You guys, I don't, it's been out for like what, 10 years. And I just started watching it and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, it's everything for me right now. I love it so much. Have you watched it? That is so funny. I just recently, I had never seen it. I love Connie Britton. And yeah, um, yeah I, I probably watched about, I had got my COVID shots and I was like, oh, I'm so sick. And so it was, I got it on a Saturday and like I laid in bed all day one Sunday and watched I think, like 10 episodes in a row. But yes, that is such a good show. So um, good, yeah. Okay, what is the most recent book you read? Oh, that's a really good question. How about listen to or or I love, um, well, I love your podcast. I've listened to all the episodes that you've done so far, especially preparing to come on here. Um, but I also love, um, Jodi Moore, the, her podcast on, okay. It's called better than happy. Um, she was actually one of the podcasts I listened to, um, when I was going through this, um, and it helped me a lot. It honestly really helped me a lot. Her podcast did. I'll have to check that one out. Okay. Um, Best productivity app. What do you use to stay organized in your life? You know what? You're going to think I'm so lame, but I am all about the, like, you know, planners that you write in. Like, I don't even really love, um, 
anything digital. I'm such like, I'm so old school. Yes. I'm like, I don't have my planner with me right now, but I write everything down. My yeah. husband, I'm so silly. Cause he's like an Apple guy. He's like, it, everything is like digitalized. Right. I love writing things down and looking at it and checking things off with pen. <laughs> so I love that. Yeah. yeah. I, I do use my reminders app a lot. If you're looking for a specific app, I, I put things in there. Like every hour of the day, I have something like I need to get done in the app. <laughs> Love it. What is your go-to de-stressor? Oh man, I would say a bath and a podcast. Just good old, good old bath. Honestly, nothing, nothing crazy. I mean, I might like sneak some chocolate in there while I'm while I'm in the bath because you really can't beat that. But um, yeah, that helps me so much. Always a top one that I hear. I need to take more bath. Wait, yeah. I- <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on today. If people want to follow your journey, where can they find you? Yeah, I am most active on Instagram um, at witchaxoxo is where you'll find me. Uh, but I do have a blog as well. It's called Beauty Baby in a Budget. Um, and it's at www.witjxoxo. Um, but you can find me on Facebook and Pinterest at witjxoxo. That's just my handle for everything. <laughs> so we have fashion, baby, and beauty on a budget. All, we all want to be on a budget, so that is good things. I right? <laughs> Whitney, thank you so much. Have a great day. Oh, you too. Bye.